Hey, Steph, thank you for coming on the Fox Den. Welcome. Thank you, and you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes. So I wanted to talk with you because you are a prolific Twitter uh, <laughs> personality who enjoys discussing mental health and um, the metaphysics, spirituality. Yeah. Yeah, the healing journey, everything that goes with it, because I haven't been able to use just one tool. So I mean, like, I'm into astrology, I'm into psychology, I'm into, like, everything. People's, yes. like, childhood stories, basically. I'm, like, the per I'm, like, very deep with it, I guess you'd say. <laughs> yes. What inspired you toward this path? Did you have any sort of experiences or oh, ideas? Man. Okay. So the first experience, which was a huge experience, um, I've talked about it before, so I should definitely use this time to talk about it now. But in 2012, I was in a car accident and I got flown out of it and the Jeep landed on me and I woke up in the hospital and my leg was amputated. And it was, yeah, right? Like, it is a crazy thing to happen. Like, you don't hear that every day. And no. So Perspective-wise, okay, I went from being a, I just turned 22 the month before. Um, I went from being, like, a very carefree, like, partying college student to, like, just waking up in the hospital. And it was just, like, what? Like, if that doesn't change your perspective, I don't know what what else could have happened to me, you know what I mean? Like that woke me up. Like after that, I actually had like post-traumatic growth, which that's something that like people do need to know about because um, I mean, it's like people that have, it was a near death experience, you know? And like, I've been feeling like I do need to do more research on that and people that have had near death experiences because um, I mean, mine was so revolutionary <laughs> so it's just like like I mean I literally became I mean I I was just would say very lost and I feel like that's why I empathize with so many people and so um yeah like that that was the first thing that was just like wow I mean you're in hospitals you're like in a hospital with pretty much like old people about to die like you know, like it was just a crazy perspective and it was just like, wow, I really need to just start examining what life is about now. Like I'm shook. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, so you went from being very, uh, kind of just a, a, the normal experience of a 22 year old to having this massively paradigm shifting brush with death itself. Yeah, totally. Totally. Because the only thing I even remember about that night is that like, I got my ass kicked. Like, I don't remember the accident, but I do know the feeling of getting beat up by life is how it felt. Like, honestly, like that is literally all I remember. And then just like tasting dirt and that was it. And like, for me, like that's like truly starting at fucking ground zero, like fucking tasting dirt. Like I can even get myself up. And that's the thing too. People that have had accidents like mine. Um, so like I've watched like Teal Swan um, and I've heard her talk about like, she has a lot of friends that are paraplegic and it's such like they were in an accident and like they were the people that like they did not ask for help in life and then ultimately life put them in direction where it was like you have to you know like sometimes i do have to ask for help like sometimes yeah. I do, you know and i'm like a very like i that's, i hate that and of course it would be somebody like me who i hate asking for help more than anything in the world wow yeah. And so how did that change or how did that uh, aversion asking for help, did that play into your recovery and growth? I mean, so I definitely feel in the beginning, it was like, honestly, though, I was such a like, I still am like, I don't need your help. I mean, I only know you can help sure. me. Like, if, if I'm moving or something, like, come on, help me out. Like, help me with some heavy lifting but um honestly like I I had to ask for help on somewhat of things I mean I was literally like even just needing help with like take me to the doctor and take me to a surgery and take me to get my leg made and you know what I mean it's just like I had to be taken care of I had to quit my job it's weird because one of the first things I said after my accident was 
oh my God, I was supposed to be at work today. Do they, like, is everything okay? And my mom was just so shocked that it was just like, oh my God, like, this is a really big deal. Of course, like, your restaurant job, like, understands, like, like, but it's true. It's such a weird, like, I mean, so I still am a person that I don't, I don't want help, but I want to help. But ultimately, life has put me in situations where it's like, I do need help sometimes. You know, it's just like. Sure. So you, I mean, you still have a high, uh, well, it's about interdependence, right? So you have a high drive for independence. Don't like being dependent. Kind of in the middle, though, is interdependence, where we realize sometimes we need help. But overall, you know, we're, we're not overly dependent. We, we still retain that desire to do things mm-hmm. And, and you've just in, it like struck something in me in the sense where like I'm thinking only based on this story and asking for help because I think about it and honestly I like succeeded and didn't go to physical therapy. I taught myself to walk with a cane and all this Jeez. stuff. But now that I have a child, this is where I have to be vulnerable and be like, hey, you know, even right now I had to tell my sister this giving this like talk with you or like having this like was a big deal and like this feels like something big and important and like she's inside like getting my son to sleep that for me is more vulnerable than asking anybody to carry so you know what I mean for me as like yes because I was actually trying to put him down for a nap myself and yeah I was trying to do it all and that can be overwhelming (laughs) totally absolutely totally Totally. oh my gosh you you found my spot (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, it, it happens sometimes. <laughs> um, I well, something that I really enjoyed that you recently posted was about embracing all emotions, and that is just mm-hmm. so clinically relevant. The biggest mm-hmm. thing that you can for the audience out there that you can notice about someone who's really experienced either from their own their own lived journey or clinically or both mm-hmm. is how much they encourage people to embrace negative emotions and not just positive mm-hmm. because you get people who talk about the law of attraction, which in and of itself is great. But when you don't acknowledge that sometimes we're going to feel negative things and mm-hmm. when it's all about la la la, just think positive. There's a real, there, there's a damage to that, right? It's mm-hmm. like, it, it's, it's the, more secular or new age uh, rather than Christian version of faith healing and whatever happens to you, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. So right. I love that you really tell your followers to embrace all emotions and not just the positive mm-hmm. ones. Totally. Shame totally. is such a horrible experience. If you want to just, I want to open the floor. If you want to talk about your experiences, what you've noticed about culture and shame, it's a huge yeah. conversation. I mean, the whole time you were saying that, the whole thing, the only thing I'm thinking in my head is shame. Yeah. <laughs> shame, truly. Yeah. Because it's like, there's nothing unnatural about anger or pain or frustration or even jealousy or resentment. Like, it's all normal. And um, I'm actually, so I'm a domestic violence advocate. And so I've been trauma trained, trauma informed. And knowing about this has really like made me realize like we're just kind of shaming each other, you right. know, like we're just like, we're all judging each other and we're um, doing what I do as far as like, nobody wants to talk about domestic violence and nobody wants to talk about that it affects, like it does not discriminate. It's in all, all over the world. Every culture has domestic violence, every class, poor yep. and rich. It right. doesn't discriminate. It's the same as mental illness. And all of this stuff needs to be, I mean, how shitty do I feel about myself when I'm looking at, you know, Instagram and all I see is just the beautiful moments of your motherhood and say, I've not had, you know, maybe a peachy journey. Like, this is what I'm like seeing with women in general. Like, there's so much shame within look at being raised, I guess you would say, like, it's all been inherited, I would say. So it's like, we can't escape it. It all starts ultimately at home. And that's why to me, domestic violence is like my passion and just, um, man, like what I, I'm figuring out, I'm like in the beginning of my journey. So it's like, I don't feel I have like a set, you know, like, but it's like, I know where it starts. (laughs) So like, I feel my mission is to like, 
help people not have shame about processing that your parents were humans doing the best they could with what they were taught. And then we're doing the same. I'm just trying to do better than I was taught. And I'm trying to also bring up everybody that's with me still. You know what I mean? Yes. And not, and, I not judge, and not judge my parents for, you know, where they were spiritually or emotionally or mental health wise, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that ability to recognize that some parents are just not equipped or aren't, are, are making mistakes due to their own flaws in their, their journey, gaps in things that they didn't mm-hmm. learn. Right. Mm-hmm. It's very liberating because it takes away the personal element and turns it oh into. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Love that. And I think it's important because even though it's not our fault what happened to us, sadly, we're responsible for the growth. We're responsible exactly. for how we respond, mm-hmm. even when it was completely other, the other person's fault. So I know with DV, it, people are given horrible wounds, sometimes physical, always emotional, that then they have to heal, right? And it's not fair. But if the other option, though, is for it to turn pathological and become a personality disorder or a... Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and so I'm sure you've come up against the idea that, well, well, why should I have to grow? It was someone else that did this to me. And it's tough. It's tough when people aren't ready to hear positive messages. Totally, and I have a total perspective on that. It's like you need to... What people who are with that defense that are like, I, it wasn't my fault. It's right. Not your fault. Of course not. You did not deserve that. Like you go in there and you go and you feel that wound and you, as an adult, you comfort that child. Like you have to reparent yourself. Like it's like, but that pain is totally valid. So of course, no, it wasn't your fault, but like nobody can control you. Even if your parent had the best intention and wanted to fix you, they couldn't. Even if they came later in your life and were like, you know, I'm so sorry about what I did and blah, blah, blah. Say they had their, and the person is, you know, it could, it could help greatly. Or, you know, that person could still feel severe pain already been on the path of leaving their soul. Cause to me, the personality disorders, that's abandonment of the soul. You know, like. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's, that's deep. Talk about that. Right, because it's like, I'm like, I go deep with as far as like, because it's just like, I don't know, you see how I'm just like, I throw it all in there together. It's like, yes, a personality disorder is you abandoned your inner child, your true self, you left your true self behind and you just kept the personality disorder is a coping mechanism. Yes. It's a coping mechanism for abuse, for pain, adversity, whatever, like it is a coping mechanism. It is, and it is a avoidance of reality. It's a, it's a delusion. You think you're controlling, you think you're controlling this whole persona, the face. I mean, that's really what a personality disorder is. It's, it's a face they think they've made, you know, they don't know them. They don't know the real self. They left the real self back at like seven. So also the emotional maturity is of a seven year old. Yes, absolutely. So you hit on something there because it, it is a, it is a, a, a delusion and uh, borderline personality disorder, for example, you have the almost psychotic fear of abandonment that can be seen everywhere. And then the person obviously brings it to pass by driving someone away, right? You can right. replicate that. And in narcissism, there's that delusion of grandeur the grandiosity of self mm-hmm. is delusional so the entitlement oh absolutely <laughs> yes i think we have an epidemic of fragile narcissism now where people have been taught that they don't make mistakes from an early age and so then yeah. you get when people do make mistakes and someone calls them on it they've never encountered it. it's like a complete thorough wounding like a, a mm-hmm. traumatic wound because the mm-hmm. self is so lacking in resilience i don't know mm-hmm. if you've seen that in your journey you know what that is that's causing they don't want their it's a reality collapse there yes it's a reality collapse happening you know somebody's threatening this illusion they've made up that they say is true right and that's why if you want to be in a relationship with somebody with a personality disorder I mean, ultimately, I don't know if you have, I've never found any research of a narcissist healing. I've 
like actually coming back they may learn like learn like as far as like my research but like basically if you want to be in a relationship with them you just have to be very aware that like the more out of touch they are with themselves if you think they're going to be in touch with you you know what I mean and this is for people that are just in pain because they want to help somebody that's all right that is because I, I know that there are people in pain in these relationships and it's just you maybe they can be cured I hope right. them all healing I do but I'm going to be real on the flip side and let somebody know you're dealing with a person who's detached from their soul <laughs> yeah there's no uncertain terms is it that's that's pretty pretty blunt I like it. I know I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty intense like that though it, like I am it's just well, being direct is a real strength. People sometimes have to hear it straight up. So there is research, and I'll find it. I'll find it and attach it potentially mm -hmm. like a link. To I'd love to see because I mean about a narcissist learning empathy and how they can. So they're not so. So for listeners out there, they're not psychopaths. Now it works like this: all psychopaths are narcissistic, but not all narcissistic people exactly. are psychopaths. So usually with narcissism, you can imagine it like there's a thorn in the person where the, it's preventing them from healing. Something is keeping them um, hyper-focused on themselves. And it's, and it's usually the complete denial of flaws because flaws are just un, unimaginable. They mean that you're completely broken. And so you can't embrace the self as a realistic construct. Mm -hmm. It's got to be grandiose because that's the only thing that's acceptable. Mm -hmm. Right. So usually if someone can get past that and that person can realize, wait a minute, it's okay to be human. It's okay to be broken, blah, blah, blah. It, then they can feel empathy for others. And all of that ego energy isn't spent propping up that self. But it's like with, with narcissists, something is keeping the ego energy of the, of the self on the internal perspective on oneself so much that there's nothing left for others. And so when right. you free that up and you act the person, but I mean, they have to be willing to do that, right? The biggest impediment to personality disorders is that the person doesn't think it's a disorder because yeah. it's part yeah, of their the personality. Hard thing about it. Exactly. That's the hard thing about it. It's not them complaining. It's usually like a loved one complaining. Yep. Know? Yeah. And then you get people. Yeah. It's fascinating who comes to therapy because it's usually the person who takes ownership and it's the non-disordered one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then yeah. what sucks is it's like, well, how do I fix myself or how do I learn something in here to fix my partner? Right. Hate to right. break it to you. That's right. not an easy answer. Right. Because it's like you said, you have to be aware of what the other person's willing to change and, mm -hmm. and what, what their own heart or soul or whatever you want to say, the state of that. Yeah. So. And it's really just a matter of being in touch with themselves and the reality of the pain they feel. Yep. Absolutely. Well. 100%. So talk a little bit about what got you into um, provide about the DV advocate work, because that's absolutely fascinating. How long have you been doing that? Is there a certification in it? Because we could talk about trauma informed stuff for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I got into this in March. Um, I there is so I'm a volunteer right now. Nice. I am a direct volunteer which means I had to get the training which um that is just like it goes over everything basically also where I live there is a sex trafficking problem as well and it honestly oh. is like which it's everywhere it's everywhere it's where you live it's where every it's where every that's one of the things of like we have to stop having closed eyes and I guess like for me Agreed. doing this training they really showed how um, pretty much violence, um, the sex work, um, pretty much all of our problems start from domestic violence. Like there's like this triangle chart and it's like literally domestic violence. And then there's the power and control wheel. And so oh God, yeah. So we're living in a time where, I mean, there really kind of is like a narcissist impact war in the sense of people how to be successful in this kind of like in the mainstream like corporate world like would be to be on the more because empathy and narcissism they're on the same spectrum 
you know what I mean? So it's like to be successful, like we've been in a world where like we've just been totally shut off from like tuning into the other person. It's all been about like profit. And um, I mean, even in this training, we went over like the ads and the media they do of women and how women are depicted in ads as far as like you only show the ads and you only in all these ways that um, we don't really think about how like we're objectifying ourselves. And so of course it's easier to hurt something or hurt someone when you don't actually like see it as a person like that's just kind of like a cultural thing like we've been doing I mean I feel like that's like I, I, I don't like to point things out because I don't want to seem judgmental in the sense that everyone has their own journey and um, whatever's important to you in this life like mine doesn't happen to be like I guess um, being like super powerful and having like a lot of like I'm here for more like connection, I guess you'd say. Like, I want to like really get on the same level as people, and um, yeah, does that make sense? Yes, it does. I mean, it, it's so DV and trauma in general. We know from the ACEs study, the adverse childhood experiences scale. Oh God, yes, yeah really does give a prognosis for future functioning, with the caveat that if you receive therapy, if you address those negative symptoms and, and experiences, right, then your prognosis is great. There's that post-traumatic growth. But right, and then, and then there's the whole like resilience thing where some people are, you know, we shouldn't shame people on being, I'm a very resilient person. I know that, like I can go through shit and I will- Bounce back. Some people can't like, it, but that shouldn't be judged like just you know what I mean like it shouldn't be that's the thing about being trauma informed is that we need to quit comparing trauma like when people see me and think oh my god like that's so crazy it's like no like you're totally discrediting your own experience like this was an experience for me we are way too much and that's even I feel in our society that's like the competition thing you know what I mean like either you had it worse or I had it worse but oh we're still no comparing. That is so common now. Yes, right. comparing wounds, telling mm -hmm. war stories, whatever little colloquial, colloquialism you want to use. It's pretty, it's pretty damaging. Um, yeah. One of the biggest things I've noticed with, with trauma is if this person even, at, if they at a young age had anyone in their corner who was a great model for good, healthy relationships or bonding, it makes people so much more resilient. If they had anybody mm -hmm. who, who was there for them. So... Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so fascinating to look into post-traumatic growth and there's more research coming out about it and that's always helpful. But. Yeah, that's why I feel like I should definitely say something about that because like people need to hear that there's like, if there's post-traumatic stress, like what would be the opposite? You know what I mean? Like since everything's yes. a spectrum anyways, like. So. Absolutely. And I try to have people focus on the fact that whatever you, whatever is present in your mind is going to be where your attention goes and where your effort goes, right? So when people think about trauma, right, first you have to validate something happened. Yes, absolutely. But then after that, it's time to think about healing because if you think about not being traumatized, your brain doesn't really hear the not. It's oh, just- Oh God, no. Yeah. Right. And so people, in my practice, when we're doing EMDR, which is an awesome trauma-informed therapy, they want to say that the positive thought is, uh, I'm not in danger or I'm not this, I'm not that. I'm like, okay, so phrase that positively. What does that look like? Ah, oh, like I can be safe. How much better is that to think about? I think in our culture now, things are defined so much by not. Right, right. And people don't realize that what you think about, even if you're qualifying it, is where your brain's going to go. Right. And that totally, like, I feel like you just put a piece of puzzle in my brain together in the sense of like saying you should not is shaming something. So yes. really the root of everything, to me, I've been just getting this message from so many different, like, where I'm just like, honestly, shame's our problem. Shame. Yes. Because I know that the narcissist and the borderline and the, you know, who, I don't know. I'm just going to say those because I, I Please. Those, um, yeah. that they have a lot of shame. You yes. Know what I mean? It's the shame yes. of, that's hurting us like all of us yes yeah shame tends to be like the power core of um of any kind of pathology mm -hmm. um, so that's it that is a great point oh my gosh it it it, it keeps things hidden and stagnant yeah, yeah it's also like a liar almost it's like a 
just like sabotage like for your life like if you want to sabotage yourself like you should definitely have shame then oh my gosh i don't recommend it for anybody no of course not i mean and when you look at so so in compromise too when when you have a couple or anybody like that you're trying to talk things through with it's it's best to say well here's what you can do here's all the different compromises i'm willing to make whether than i'm not willing to do this i'm amazed at how many people i see on Twitter or, or anywhere really, or uh, the the Reddit sort of, um, you know, there's different subreddits and people will turn totally, it into totally. videos like r slash relationship issues and whatever. It's like you see people with these screenshots of letters that their significant others written like, you're not to do this, 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 and it's extremely controlling. Oh, and you know, another thing, because my brother is 18 and he just had his first breakup. So I just got oh. to witness like kind of the root of like when those like dysfunctional toxic pattern set and like she would be like oh no like I wouldn't let him do that and I'm just like oh my god like letting someone do something like it's just like I mean especially me as like I'm like wailed with my brother just like I mean it was good that it ended because it was like a giant red flag giant yeah whenever you hear those kind of terms it's it it, it would be the, the quite the natural question is if you're not going to let something, someone do something, okay, then what is the punishment? Are you going to threaten to break up? Are you going they're, to... They're, the person is property at that point. Exactly. The person is property at that point. I mean, yeah. that's why my Twitter, the tweet that I'll probably have posted forever pinned is that true love is not being bound. It's freedom. Something yes. like that. Absolutely. But yeah. It. Yeah. It's wanting the best for that person and to be a source of empowerment rather than a source of restriction. If you are free with somebody, like that would be like your energies are dancing. Like you yes. should absolutely want to be free with somebody and not want to be telling them not to do things. I mean, that's just like eek. I picture people like in this how my brain I'm like getting tangled up in these cords and they're holding them both themselves back. It's like, oh my goodness, you guys are putting you both of you in cages. <laughs> like yeah, it's absolutely traumatizing. And something that we're that we're discovering in culture now, I think, is that you can give either party too much power in a in a in a two person relationship where mm -hmm. someone can be very controlling, either through outright controlling and saying this is how it's going to be, or through saying, "Well, due to my own past, you can't do this," and then had other oh totally just the so, gaslighting and manipulating to just a, a, a victimhood form of of covert yeah. power. In an oppressor form of overt power, it really. I know it's it's pretty crazy to look at how it's just like wow, like it's literally the same tactic, power and control, but they do it in their different flavors. It's cloaked in a more acceptable flavor and. Right, right, and it, plus it makes you feel bad for this person, so it's yes. just like uh, you're, you're pulling you're pulling on my heartstrings. So I mean, I'm human, you know. It's like the ultimate like. And that's what my brother was dealing with because, you know, she had problems at home and we were trying to help her. But then it's like, oh, no. I mean, it was just, oh, no, for me, because I was like really hopeful that I could help her and help guide her. But then I just we caught her being too abusive. Like, it's just like, no, no, no. It's like so it's like I wanted to help her like redirect her to herself. But at the same time, I can't like you can't change anybody. And so it's like really like it's making our space toxic, like eek you know like that's kind of like the time I feel we're entering where we're just kind of gonna have to be more like not feed into the toxic energy like how else are people gonna get better if we're always just no you're a hundred percent right losing ourselves for them you know what I mean it's like we're yes. making things messier by trying to save people yes and, and that's healthy boundaries it is. You can you can empower someone to receive help, but you and you can't make them receive it. Though mm -hmm. you you can't make it. It's that the redneck uh, colloquialism of you can lead a horse to water, you can't make it drink. I mean that right. holds true for so much because the change has to the desire has to come from within, or it won't be sustained. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Totally. So talk about what got you into creating jewelry because i know that's what a lot of people from twitter are going to know you for i know so i started making jewelry in 12 16 so 2013 and i was literally just 
at that point that because that was after my accident and that was when I was getting a bit more personal with myself and actually um kind of like accepting like I had feelings and actually I think that's when I got super into astrology and so I mean astrology was my for sure gateway drug into crystals okay because you know then I like found my whole birth chart and I realized you know I have an Aries moon and that's why I'm such a like independent fiery cancer like it was just I I understood so many different layers of myself at that point that it was just like so my jewelry came in with that like I just started making it for me because I was like I was like the type I got and I got like accidentally witchy like I never tried to like do you know what I mean like I literally just like was like by myself at home just like okay well I need to make this because like I'm working really hard trying to like get my bachelor's degree anyways like so this stone is for like helping you on exams like and then I'd be like wearing them and then people at school would be like yo what is that and like that is literally how it happened so it's like this is my second business my first one I started in college and then I had my son in 2016 December and I just um walked stepped away from that because it was just like new motherhood and then when he was like probably I don't know not even a year old it was just like clear I needed still my own outlet that was another part of learning just that I had to have my keep my own passions going so then I started cosmic feels and so I started Steph feels like my Twitter literally because um honestly to just like kind of like find a voice but that kind of took off but um it completely just like went into cosmic feels so it's like true it's cool because like now actually like I feel like people like they know me and they actually want to get jewelry from me because they know that like I am like I pretty much am like eat sleep and drink like healing all day like I go have moments like crying like for a moment processing something going back to parenting I have moments like just like okay like let's sit here like that, like I said like I literally have to ask for help sometimes like I literally have to be like go on a walk with grandma you know what I mean and like mommy have just like a sit down moment with myself so um I don't know. Yeah, it's just, I know that's like, I feel I'm all over the place. That's my, that's okay. That's my Gemini energy. But um, yeah, so it's like, honestly, my jewelry is just like a part of my life now. Like, it's like, even today, I wore this like blue aquamarine pendant for this throat chakra because it's like soothing, calming, like ocean. Smooth like the ocean. Voice. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's great. What got you into astrology first? Ooh, that is like, so when I figured out my birth chart, I'm actually a Scorpio rising. And so then I was like, I can figure out everybody. Scorpio rising. Well, just in the sense of like, I was always, well, I'm, I'm just a total water baby in the sense of like, I'm a cancer Scorpio rising. Like I'm definitely into like, just like, figure out people's energies and like the fact that I can like have a name for it. And like now at this point, it's just like, like nobody, I don't talk to anybody and not mention it. It was impossible that I couldn't mention astrology in this interview because like, I literally, I talk about it, like even naturally to like my mom and she's like, why is this this way? And I'm like, um, because he's got a Virgo moon and she's just like, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So she doesn't, is that, is that some, uh, credulity there she's not she's very she's skeptical of it no she knows like, whatever she, knows. she, she well because she wants a different answer she wants to hear like something more fun I don't know just like not so simple like when she's like why is it this way and I'm just like it's simple like sometimes people don't want to hear that it's simple you know what I mean it's like oh do I in this field yeah yeah, yeah. Poor parental attachment, and you've got to reparent yourself. No, can I take a pill? <laughs> oh, totally, totally. Yeah, I know. And that's like, I mean, that reminds me of like my mom, and that is probably like kind of an era thing of just like when pharmaceuticals came out, and we thought for a time period that pills could fix everything, and then we realized we started more way other problems in the sense of just like addiction and whatnot, and kind of just escapism, and you know. you'd have to feel what you want to heal. I mean, that's just like, and if you're on something, I do think there's like purpose for every single thing. Absolutely. But it's just in the sense of like, there can't be one pill that makes it go away forever. 
No, pills can be great in helping you to regulate your emotions and hormones. Exactly. But what you do with that and the growth you make, it's like jump starting a car, but you still exactly. got to drive your car it's like to getting you clear headed and ready for the race. It's like it gives you the tools to, you know, like you said, regulate. Like, I love that because honestly, we're living in a world where you're just kind of watching people like not being able to regulate them. You know what I mean? It's like it's becoming more common than not in a sense. Like, and I think it's that like sensitivity narcissist. What were you talking about? That fragile. Oh, fragile narcissism. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, here's the deal with it. I mean, the the there's an epidemic of fragile narcissism because I think you can look at the progression of culture and the errors, whatever error one generation of parents made, is mm-hmm. the exact opposite error that the next will make. And mm-hmm. so you get the parent, the baby boomer parents who didn't know how to show emotion and squelched it. And then you get the response in Gen X parents of, okay, over emotional, everything you do is perfect. And there's a difference between shame and accountability or shame and realistic boundary, right? Because if you don't have right. a boundary, you don't know where you start and end. Exactly. And so if children are taught that, they, they can make no mistakes and everything is perfect. If they ever, ever run across any kind of limitations or find that they've made a mistake, it doesn't compute. They're not, totally, ready. Totally. they don't understand that. And it becomes massive depressive affect and almost a destruction of the self because it's so fragile. Right, right. That's what I'm talking about with fragile narcissism yeah. is it, it's a selfishness that's sad in a way. Yeah. It, I'm everything. And so if I ever have a limit, then there is nothing. And I don't right. know. Right. Well, I mean, with anything of like personality disorders, like black or white, you know, they can't. Absolutely. It can't be like, you know, a little bit good and a little bit bad and a little bit whatever, you know, because I mean? we're, we're so much more complex than even just a duality, you know, like there's a lot to us. Absolutely. And you get into the either you're you're for someone or against them. You either are everything to me or you're nothing and terrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If that's the borderline personality disorder splitting that, that is so common. Um, wow. Yeah. What is something you think everybody should know about crystals or about gems? If you can even boil it down like that. <laughs> okay. So I got asked this once before and I'm so glad I did because it prepared me for this question. Because he asked, the question was, do crystals work? And so I was like, yeah, people need to understand that, like, we are super powerful. We, as a collective, have already, like, the power of crystals, like, we've already done it. We've already given it. This has been since the beginning of time. Like, jade is, like, one of the oldest crystals, like, turquoise, like, these have all been used for like protection and guidance and for guardian angel spirit type deals to, you know what I mean? Like just like some sort of guidance and protection has been attached to these things. Like if you are a person that is just truly willing to just like, cause I know there's skeptical people that like would say crystals don't work, but if you're just truly willing to like kind of just be like light with your energy and like, just like say it does and like play with it. It's like, it's life changing. You like brainwash yourself to tap into the power. The power is there. We've already done that. Like for centuries and centuries, like we have already given. So it's the same as money having power. You know what I mean? It's just like certain things have power. Yes. People jewelry, jewelry. This is a symbolic, this is, you know, this is art. Like this is, and when you're buying from handmade and stuff too, like, yes. This is what people should know about crystals, that if you get them, you can tap into the power that literally all of us have put into it and our ancestors. <laughs> it's Fascinating. <like> a- <laughs> oh, man. Do you have any? So, so I like to ask this question of guests. Uh, if you could meet three people alive or dead, who would you meet? It's just they have to have been real people. Okay. Yeah. So I would definitely want to meet Kanye West. I, I love him. I have like got, had Kanye West music like get me through. Well, him being in a car accident, anyways, and like it was pretty crazy. Him to sing about a broken jaw and like me, I don't know. He's hit a spot. And yes, Kanye. The second yes. person is gonna be Frida Kahlo. Ooh. Okay. Great. So I, 
yeah, so her, I mean, I honestly feel like I'm like a more bubbly her, but I honestly feel I'm kind of like very much the same as her as like kind of just like dark, deep in it, deep in the feels. She's a cancer and she's just like, she's an artist. And I mean, she had a prosthetic leg too, and she actually um, designed her own one. I mean, I just feel on a soul level, me and Frida would like, we'd be sisters. <laughs> we'd kick it. Yeah, and then the third person, oh my gosh, that's the hard part. The third person I would want to meet. I don't know. I would want to meet my favorite YouTuber, Dolo, because, like, he's just really cool, and I would love to, like, Dolo? Yeah, Dolo. So shout nice. out to him, because, like, honestly, because I'm just thinking to myself, like, I talk to people about, like, oh, when are we all going to, like, get together, like, these people that are on a spiritual journey with me? And so, like, for that, I kind of more see that as, like, um, like, we've actually talked about, like, creating retreats or something. So I say Dolo, but I'm really in my head thinking, like, that big, giant connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, like, I have so much love for him, so it's, like, definitely get you. Yes, I see he, that. So he's an astrologer and just, like, metaphysics, like, super deep into just, like, in my opinion, the meaning of life. And, like, honestly, um, he's really helped me on my growth. So it's, like, why not? why not pick him as my person? <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause it's like, he's super cool. Yeah. That's fascinating. Okay. Good picks. It's always fascinating who people decide who they would like to meet, you know, who, who... I know I never thought about it, but I knew off the top of my head, like Kanye and Frida just popped in my head. Yeah. Cause I'm like, have a strong connection to them. But other than that, I don't really think about it. Yeah. Like, no, I, I get that. Wow. What are some therapeutic modalities that you really believe in that help with shame or horoscope stuff? Or I want, I want to lean into what your expertise is here with that, because it's such a, a relevant topic. Right. Okay. So for starters with astrology, if someone were to know their birth chart, they would actually realize like, okay, I've got all these different planets. Like where was the solar system when I was born, like the soul, Ooh. the soul or system, you know, so it's like, you're a snapshot of the energy of that day. And so okay. people could understand that, okay, your son, that's your ego. That's how you see things, what you're consciously aware of. Um, your moon though, your moon is something really important. People should know because that's your emotional self. So the moon changes every like two and a half days. So, um, <clears throat> knowing, so for me, I have a moon, a moon in Aries. That makes me, I could be quite explosive. And so for me, if I was just like, I'm a cancer and I'm supposed to be this way. And like, I didn't know, you know what I mean? It's like, once I found out I was a moon in Aries, a lot made sense. Like it, I was like, that's why like, I'm more of like a hothead and just can like heat up, but then I cool down really quick or, you know, that's why yes. I take really personally and extremely reactive. It takes the freaking shame out of it because it's a freaking birth chart placement. You know what I mean? Like I am, I am a piece of the universe playing out the energy of that day is how I see it. So it's like, for me, that takes shame out when it's like, I can see myself as like a complex human with all these planets, these planets mean like my sun and my moon, they square each other. So they, um, that's a learning opportunity or what is it? That, that's the square. They don't like each other. That's not that they don't like each other. They don't like really get each other. So oh, like, okay. My cancer son is like, I want to take care of you. I, I want to fix you. I want to be motherly towards you. And my son, my moon in Aries is like, I want freedom. Like you cannot hold me back. I do not want your help. Like nurturing I, versus wandering in a way. Versus like a free warrior type. Ooh. Okay. Right. Yeah. So it's like for me, but it makes sense why I am resilient when I have been through emotional trauma. It makes sense that I was in a bad accident and then my moon in Aries was like, uh -uh, like I'm not being taken out this way. And my Scorpio rising, which the Scorpio like literally goes through um, the, <clears throat> what is it called? The transformation. Everybody says that like the rise of the Phoenix, like how they have to burn through the ash, burn from the ashes that's Scorpio energy. So it's okay. like transformation is like a part of my personality. So it's like when I've like, so for me, if somebody learned their birth chart and they had like some sort of placement and it would all just make sense and then they could not feel bad about being that way. Right. Like, I mean, yeah, wouldn't I, that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Cause it's in my opinion, just another tool. 
Like it's just yeah. one more level. Just another yeah. lens through which to view. Mm -hmm. And I've also heard of um, True Brilliance. True Brilliance is an amazing teacher as well of astrology. Um, <clears throat> I want to meet her too. <laughs> Can I meet more people? Just kidding. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> She's um, awesome. But um, she, what was I saying with that even now? Oh my gosh, and how did I lose that? shame emotional self stuff how to healing through recognizing that the chart is what it does for you right 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 and i think i was gonna say she had said something but um people should check her out anyways as far as like astrology information and maybe that plan will come back to me because i feel like i just got too excited that was my aries moon honestly that was my aries moon having an add moment but um <laughs> Oh, yes, True Brilliance actually had talked about that there is something called, um, I don't remember the name, but it has psychology and astrology and Greek mythology wrapped up in it. Okay. A, a type of study. I, I know. I'm like, that sounds like something I need to, but. It really does. Like, I know parapsychology is kind of like that, but that's not, I mean, that the metaphysics stuff. Right. So. I'll have to look into what that, what true brilliance actually posted and get, get I know, I know. Yeah. I knew I'd get back to that point because I knew it was a good big point. Yeah. 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 Um, something I like also talking about big points that you posted was that, um, sit with your void until it's no longer void. I mean, that's some active mindfulness toward whatever is bothering us or whatever lacks that we have, whatever gaps, Talk to me about what inspired that tweet. Absolutely. So for me, one of my, I call them like original wounds because it's like I'm trying to get to the very first time I felt that. That was something actually in therapy, like I kind of tried to get to and I've gotten to that with some of my stuff. But I have something, which I want to use astrology to actually understand it, but I have something where I almost exclude myself and will feel very alone. And I know that that's a void because my, when I'm, being like my higher self or whatever you want to say, I feel completely connected to everybody. And I know I'm not alone and I know I'm not an outsider and I know I'm loved. You know what I mean? So it's like, I have this wound that's like, um, which, and I actually had talked to my friend about it that night when I felt it. And I was like, you know, I kind of feel like I'm feeling some of my, um, like deep paternal issues, you know, abandonment issues. And, um, she had told me she had felt it, that where she, excludes herself and I was just like wow you just made so much like sense to me and she barely had to talk to me and it just that's when I tweeted that I'm pretty sure it's like sit with your void until it's no longer void because it's like what is this part of me that actually feels like I am a little girl sitting on the outside watching everybody else like what is it and like and, and I did I felt so much better just honestly being honest about it and like hearing somebody say yeah I um exclude myself that's the exact word she used and I was just like oh my god that's like that's what I'm doing like I'm excluding myself like I'm disconnecting myself you know right that, that right. to me is a void wow like, yeah wow that's powerful skipping around a little bit here what was your education like you're talking about get a bachelor's degree you're talking about mm -hmm. talk to to me about that what did you study yeah so I got my bachelor's degree in marketing which nice. uh, yeah, I, I know. I loved it. And my college experience was like, I was in a business organization and it was doing a lot of volunteer work and okay. I mean, even volunteering now and the kind of work I like would want to do, like, it's just like, I want to help the world. And that's pretty much what we were doing in our business organization was like helping like homeless people. Like we help them sell like sweet treats in Austin and just like help build this like little community of mini houses for them. So they could like, it was pretty much like teaching people business to improve their lives. Like it was like, actually like, that was like the whole point of the organization. Then we go and compete. And um, yeah, so that was pretty, pretty crazy and intense. And so I actually had gotten into grad school and um, I dropped out of grad school. So I'm, I was going to get my MBA, but now yeah, I know. I know. It, it just like, honestly, it wasn't even, I stayed, I stayed because I wanted to like keep being like a big member in my organization, but it was just kind of like, um, 
a sort of natural out, outgrowth process because like the life I'm trying to live isn't one that is like an MBA type life. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, if, if I go back to school, like I'm going to go for like social work or psychology. I was going to say your, your journey has been different leaving school. I mean, than than it was there. I think the marketing component though, I'm going to say is extremely helpful. A lot of people who are helpful minded, who, who are ex- extreme advocates don't have a head naturally for marketing. And so it's right. good that you do because it limits the bandwidth and the, the radius of our of our healing messages the mm-hmm. the less we know about transmitting our message and so right. a lot of therapists are trained to believe that it's wrong to promote ourselves and it's wrong to go, go out right. and mm-hmm. money. well how else are we supposed to stay in the field right how how do i live then yeah well a lot of therapists are hobbyists who um, do it and they're not maybe the primary breadwinners and it's not as much of a passion I think if you're not living it I mean that's just my opinion on it so mm-hmm. not that there's anything wrong with doing a few hours here and a few hours there but some people if they're called to do it as a full-time profession are probably going to need to um, learn skills to maintain well, the case that, that's how I feel right now is like, how do I, like, I'm really just figuring it out. I really of am. Of course. And you it's are just, just like, how, how do I heal myself? But, but the more I heal myself, the more I want to help others. Like, it's just like, I'm not even like trying. It's, it's weird in the sense of like, my main goal is seriously to heal myself, but I can't help. It keeps leading me back to like everybody. <laughs> like it really does. No, I think that's that's what it's supposed to be. It's the inner growth expands your your outer capacity to help, and then you grow more from that. And it's just such an awesome reciprocal process compared to that vicious cycle of ourselves being restricted and then restricting and hurting others. Right? It's the exact right. inverse from that. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Because yeah. it's like it's it's doing this is rewarding. Like to like actually know that like I mean. I've had people message me like, and actually like, I mean, I feel truly that they're genuine thankful that somebody just like listened to them. And like, I'll just be like, it's a safe space to say whatever. If you just need to like get something out to me, like I'm not going to judge you. Like some people just need to be heard. Like that's a really important part of being appealing anyways. True. You know, it is validation. Yes. Mm -hmm. People need to have someone say, yes, this happened and it sucked. Mm-hmm. And it's something that is a good starting point. I mean, and then the development begins, right? Is okay, this yeah. happened and I validate this mm-hmm. and now what? Right. Otherwise you get the personality disorder component of well, this happened and that's it and it's my excuse. It's a weapon. Yeah, this is my, it's my story after that part. It's just like no, it's the opening. This is the right. this is the mm-hmm. tension in the story. It's the the crisis point. Now there's the growth element to make it a really good mm-hmm. story. Um, something you said earlier about the war between empaths and narcissists really hit because I tweet about that. I talk about, that's probably where I'm going to go a lot going forward here is talking to people about that and arming them because there's such an exploitative streak in culture. Now people are shamed who accept it, right? Who are, who are prone to feeling shame and internalizing that. And it's, and it's very insidious how much that's turned on people who have empathy. Mm-hmm. it's one of my biggest oh oh totally it, it's it's a, it's bait you know what i mean like it's bait like somebody being in pain and i'm sitting here like i i have i know i, I know i know people i know people that are just like i just want to help him i just want to help him i want him to be the one it's like oh my gosh like oh like i mean that's the only reason like honestly i tried to like educate and I mean I know I'm not a like professional but I am just like a human being that's just like looking out for like other people and like you know it's I feel like you could say something I'm like (laughs) yeah I could I mean it's like velcro or um a zipper it's it's one side going the other it's someone who has a contingent self-worth feeling like they have to earn someone's affections yeah. it's it's gamefulness right it's game theory you look at it as sometimes the guy responds or the girl because it's not really gender it's more personality and some and women totally, totally. yeah and women are more likely sometimes to have some personality loadings than men 
now it's kind of shifting and, and changing, but it's all about personality. Um, but anyway, so it's, it's this idea that you get so intermittent reinforcement of, well, sometimes helping the person works and you get a good response and then other times you don't. And so the fact when you get the reward, it's all the sweeter, right? Like a slot machine, right, you're not right, winning all right. the time. People have to be alert to if, if they're being manipulated by that. Totally. Cause you just made such a point of like, honestly, these, these relationships, they are, because this is part of my training. These relationships are like drugs because you are getting highs and lows and you are getting dopamine mixed with whatever else you're getting all these brain reactions rewiring cognitive dissonance freaking you're getting stockholm syndrome almost you know what i mean it's like this is it, it truly is such a big deal because it's causing people who are not disordered to be other other mental illnesses depressed anxious like we don't replicate what's normal or optimal we we uh, repeat what's normal for us. Totally, so totally. We recreate the home crucible, the home environment in which we developed. And that's what I talk to trauma survivors about is be aware and let's take the shame out of the fact that we will recreate what we've learned. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not always optimal. And that's why people run away from healthy relationships is they're wondering how oh, long. Push them away. Right. We wonder how long it takes before the other shoe drops. And how, well, if he's being nice for this long, think about how bad the abuse phase is going to last if it's this long. I mean, that's the kind of logic people develop out of trauma. And if it goes unaddressed, then they'll continue making the same decisions without really knowing why. Oh, completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I see a lot of is in people, the shame keeps that cycle hidden and it becomes well, this is just the kind of guy I like, and this is what I deserve. And then you get people who are like, well, you just choose better. Look at how terribly you've done. You get the, the shaming from other men and other women, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so that has to be brought out, and people have to understand the logic of trauma, and that it isn't just choosing an asshole on, and, and really loving that. Sometimes it's like you've, you've been infected with a virus, and you're Oh, yeah, no, that's that. the whole, why doesn't she leave? Why doesn't she just leave? Well, one, it's dangerous. Two, she's brainwashed. <laughs> like, and it's not just from him. It's like you said, like, this is a deep, some sort of pattern in her. Or him. Yeah. Or him. Exactly. And the problem is, though, people can go the other way and say that that's valid and let's just accept it and leave it. And, it, and it's not an orientation to, to want to crave, to crave trauma. It's an infection, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so that's we have a to- That's a really good way to put it. Well, I appreciate it. it it's just, yeah. what, what are we being infected to believe? What kind of cultural mimetic values are being disseminated? And how, and how are those affected? How are they transmitted? And trauma is a very potent way, a very, very potent vehicle to receive that, um, right. to receive relational norms because our limbic system's activated. And we try to recreate what, what did that for us. Like you said, it's like getting the first hit of a drug for free, right? If you want yeah, to go. Totally. Medicine. Totally. But it, it, it's just crazy because, like, I mean, as far as, like, what's going on in your brain, how much, how much you crave that person. I read a quote once. I wish, gosh, I wish I knew the name, but it said something like, um, it's, not lo- it's not love, it's a drug. If you don't believe me, just look at what you'll put up with to get your fix. Like, shit. This <laughs> hmm, I bet we could find that. Uh, in any event, what... Go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. Tell us what's next for you, where we can find you. I know Twitter. Okay. So, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Steph Fields. I have a YouTube. I have done some videos. Um, I need to I, – I hope I'm going in that direction in the sense of, like, I'd like to put out more words than just beats, although at this time it's really working for me as far as like being a, like the time and working in my life. Um, but yeah, you can also look me on Instagram at cosmic feels. Yeah. Cosmic underscore feels. And then I have a Steph feels account, which, um, that one I know is going to be more directed towards. I like anybody healing, honestly, because the cosmic feels is more like astrology and jewelry and kind of just like, some check-ins with me, but 
I'm definitely hoping to expand more into the healing world though. I'm like, I feel like I'm having to be prepared for something bigger and I don't even know what's going to happen, honestly. Cause exciting. Right. Right. And like us connecting, like I'm connecting with people that are like dream chasers and like, we're changing the world. Like some people are like, what are you doing? It's like, I want to say I'm changing the world. I think I, even have a video. I, I have a video on YouTube about that. How to change the world by changing your world. We'll have to link to your, yeah, to your YouTube page. So there and, is that. Yeah. Well, and, and it's so, and it sounds like a platitude, but it's not, it's not a cliche. It's that ripple effect of if we're in a better place throughout our day and we, we even talk to a dozen different people. And for those of us who are intentional healers, it's more than that. And we positively influence them and they influence 12 people and then they influence 12 people. Just do the math on the, the exponential effect there. Right. It is right. changing the world. It is. Some discernible, quantifiable way. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, we can't help it. We can't yes. help it. That video needs to be watched because it's just like the world has no choice but to respond. I will share it. We're all connected. You know, On that way. note, everybody in the Fox Den, be excited because your positive actions will influence others. Yes, Thank you for being on the saying. show. Yay. Yeah.